Are you curious? So are we. Are you funny? We might be too. Why don't you come on in here, open up your ear holes, grab a beverage, and join us for the podcast for Empathy and Imagination. My name is Aubrey Cloutier. And I am Drew Clark. Welcome to the show. If you are loving the content of this show and are looking for ways to contribute to it, there's a few ways you can do that. One way is you can uh, go on our Facebook live stream, give us a thumbs up, throw up a comment. We're going to give you our phone number to call us in this live episode. You can call in and be on the show. Yes, this episode right now. Go to patreon.com forward slash empathy and imagination. Go to youtube.com. Give us a thumbs up. This episode is brought to you by Zeist Digital. Zeist Digital can handle all of your technical computer needs. New systems, old system upgrades, problem solutions. Z-I-C-E-D dot net. That's Z-I-C-E-D dot net. Zeist Digital. This podcast is also brought to you by ClarkPoolSpa.com. Clark Pool and Spa, we can service all of your pool and spa needs and desires in the Contra Costa County. So if you have any pool or spa needs, go to ClarkPoolSpa.com. Yes, and if you want to give us a call, our number is 510-859-4173. 510-859-4173. Why don't you give us a call? Okay. Special Thank guest you. this episode. We have a very special guest. Everybody, please welcome Jim Lubinsky. In this show, we like to start with a check-in. Um, I'll go first. Why so, like, check, a check-in is check like, in. you know, how's it going? So, I feel pretty good. I had a lot of fun. Last night, we, uh, we had a brew party <laughs> where we made beer. This is actually the beer from the last time we did it. And uh, I think in my check-in, let's throw up a cheers. Cheers to uh, to this home-brewed beer. Cheers. It's a nine percent double IPA. Cheers to that. I think that's really good. What do you have, what do you flavor it with? Um, malts and hops. No, like berries or weird stuff. In All that one? is from the hops and the malts. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's fruity. It's pretty sweet. I like it a lot. I like it. I feel good. I'm I still on the train of enjoying the company. Like I had a lot, a big day of like repairs where I made a bunch of repairs on things, and uh, it was a very lucrative day. There were mistakes and setbacks, but I did I did finish strong, and that was cool. It was very challenging, so that feels good. I feel like I'm being pushed in that way. Hmm. I really want to go to Burning Man. I keep thinking about it every day. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to freaking, how do I get tickets I and that time get of the, the time off, you know? Did those tickets go for sale yet? The, you can't even register till the end of this month. All right. I so usually miss that deadline. Yeah, you can and register the go. 28th, I think, of March. That's but it's like, that's ah. when they first go on sale? Yeah. If, well, you can register to try to go on sale. But if you're not within the first couple of seconds on a fast system, they'll so sell 40,000 like, tickets. How do people get tickets? Just they they e- they e snipe at the very stroke of midnight. Everyone, d- yeah, thousands of tens of thousands of people do that. But that's not all the tickets. They sell more tickets later too. 
and before. Oh, I see. There's, there's like low right. incomes like, before there's that. There's like rounds of uh-huh. there's many sales. rounds. Yeah. Christmas sale. And then the still have a Christmas sale. And then the low there, income. I don't th- is there a Christmas sale? I don't know. But okay, so <laughs> my check-in includes feeling good, lots of music. I know I say that a lot, but I guess I'll yeah, say, well. you know, I appreciate it, and I appreciate that we have this opportunity to do this podcast. I feel very grateful. So I think I'll just end my check-in there. Thank you. Thanks for checking in. Mm-hmm. Aubrey, how you doing? Uh, my check-in, you know, doing great. Uh, I know I say this a lot, but playing a lot of music. Four bands. Keeps me busy. And I'm beginning to notice some improvement, which is good. Um, <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, what else? Uh, my dad's finally coming to IC. He's out of the ICU into a rehab zone. And he's he's angry. And he's probably angry and anxious and yeah. nervous. Okay. How do you feel? But about he's like sed- he's sedated. He's got the trach tube in. Basically, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Mm. But, but the triple bypass through. surgery. Oh yeah. Like there was water in the in the you know internal bleeding and then excess water around his organs and then the kidneys weren't at one hundred percent and then the, they had to put the trach tube in so it's been like nine weeks or something in ICU yeah that's a long time yeah hmm. I'd and be angry he, too you know <laughs> that's a long time to be away from the television watching mm-hmm. TV all day no but um. I'd still watch TV all day. Uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that. Mm-hmm. I know I, I brought this up before, but the TNG episode with Riker goes into a coma for what he thinks is like sixteen years or something. He wakes up with gray hair. He's the captain, <coughs> right? Yeah, he tells I know that. He tells Picard to shut up eventually. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, two months in the hospital. It's like fuck, dude. And he can't even talk because he's got like some, you know, there's complications with the vocal cords and stuff. So it's just nightmarish. Hmm. Um, and I talked to my mom and she's nightmarish. like, good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> like, Top notch. Just, just any other day, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Fine. Does, is she like not expressing she's a lot her like, true feelings? Or? A lot like me in that way. It's kind of stoic sometimes. Yeah. Think, you know. You know, sto- so I think stoicness is helpful sometimes, and other times it can get in the way. I know I, I have found that for myself. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's progressing in a positive direction, which is good. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here doing this. Um, what else happened recently? Hmm. Yeah, that's it. Pretty good. Cool. Pretty good check-in. Nice. All right, now, Jim Lubinsky, how are you doing? What's going on with you? How are you feeling? I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little okay. foggy from okay. from last night's, you know, brew. Yeah. The Sugar City Sugar brew City Club. Brew Club. Yep. Yeah. Sugar City Brew Club. Um, you know, this is a high potency beer yeah. and it doesn't take a whole lot to to work well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um Yeah, I woke up this morning a little a little uh, little foggy. My wife woke up at 6 a.m. and said, "Oh my god, it's 6 a.m. I'm supposed to be at school." I'm like, "Saturday." Go back to sleep. Oof. So woke with a start and then rolled over and slept for a cu- couple more hours. 
and uh, you know, generally around the house, we've been doing some gardening, which I love. You know, okay, I love to do that in February and March because a lot of people around the country and around the world don't have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then comes springtime, you get some, you know, beautiful garden and reap all the rewards for a little bit of work. So, kind of been into that. Yeah, we have a seg- segment on the show called Garden Update. Oh, I'm, so I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Well, no, you want to do a garden? Let's do the Jim Lubinsky garden yeah, update. Jim Lubinsky garden update. <laughs> well, I'm kind of a, I'm going to be honest here, I'm kind of a lazy gardener. And um, so a lot of things I planted in the past four weeks have been things I've been meaning to plant for, you know, a year or more. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have sort of a catch-all nursery where I just throw all these little pieces of things that, you know, little cuttings and whatnot. Mm. And um, <clears throat> with all the rain, those things really kind of took off, and they're just doing really well. They're ready to be moved on. So took the active garbage pail nursery and kind of spread that love around the, around the house. Put up a couple bird feeders, one for the hummingbirds, mm. one for the, the others. And um, we've had a squirrel hanging down by its hind legs and eating oh, yeah. right out of the bird feeder, just having a like, big, <laughs> big, fat squirrel. So. Dang it. We've been enjoying the simple things hmm. around the garden. Cool. Nice. Do you have to keep the bird separate? You have to keep the birds separated, <laughs> the hummingbirds <laughs> and the other birds. Um, no, or do right they take we different. Have them, we have them hung right next to each other. So, okay. Um, I haven't seen any hummingbirds yet. I think they're still discovering. Hmm. There's a really uh, um, good YouTuber uh, homesteader who talks about the total and utter neglect garden. And that's intentional, like the kind of the way you set it up so that you really have like an hour of labor at the beginning and then you harvest it and then you get it ready after that. And that's like most of it. Yeah. And that that's mm. a whole philosophy. I mean, we've got, you know, our garden situation here, too. But that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What's the philosophy behind the just no just minimum maintenance? If you can work with the cycles of nature and align with how systems work and you're balancing nitrogen and carbon you can do a lot in one place with yeah. with just a little bit of unf- upfront preparation. And it's, fun, it's, it's funny how that seems like a new concept, but <laughs> yeah, it's actually a super old concept. You know, it's like we invented agriculture, <clears throat> then we invented cities, and now we're now we're like figuring out. Oh yeah, that that actually the old methods were worked pretty well. I imagine that. So is that your is that your whole garden update? Um. Well, let's see. Yeah, I'm also uh, last spring I I, um, I planted a bunch of fruit trees all along the back, hmm. the uh, the north side. So I've got apple, I've got peach, a couple plums, cherries. The cherries are are blooming. I can almost see them from my seat right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, looking forward to some some fruits coming in this season. Yeah, perhaps if there's any excess, uh, the uh, the Crockett, the Sugar City Brew Club could potentially use some of that fruit to flavor some kind of beer or something. I like where this is going. Mm. Like I don't know if you've had. I've had a my friend Curtis. He made a uh, oatmeal blueberry stout one time that was mm. like right on the money. It was like a just a Thanksgiving muffin or something. Huh. Good for breakfast. Oh yeah, beer is so much more than a breakfast drink. You know, I, I sort of don't like citrusy things in my food. You know, like uh, pineapple pizza or stuff like that. But I, I don't mind it as much in beers. Like that blood orange beer that we had is pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. I guess as long as it's subtle enough, you know. I, I don't like lemon meringue pie either. I don't you guys either. like that. No, it's too no. in your face. No, it's too, too much. Yeah, it's too much. I'm not into it. I want if I'm eating pie, I want to feel like I'm doing something really fucking unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to feel like pie. oh, this is lemon. This is like cleaner <laughs> and and <laughs> and fruit and yeah. health. I'm like, yeah, I'm like cleaning. No, I agree. Dude, that's a very yeah. good point. I want pecan pie. I want I it to want feel thick in my throat. <laughs> just kind of, you have to drink milk afterwards just to yeah. clean your esophagus and just oily and crunchy. And there's, it's like, oh, I guess I'll just have a little bit, you know. But, uh, all right. So, Jim. Or lime. What's that lime? <laughs> Key lime. Key lime Key pie? Lime. No, thank you. No, thanks. Give me chocolate. So, okay, Jim. You got the trees going. You got your garden, your low work garden going. Your total and under neglect system. Um, you have anything else in the garden, or, or can I ask you another question? Um, that's that about sums it up from my side. Ask away. Okay. So how are you feeling? How how are you feeling in your emotionally? Life right now? Yeah, emotionally. Uh, uh, you want me to be honest? Yeah, here, huh? as honest as you'd like to be. Okay. Well, um, uh, this morning, you know, my wife was diagnosed with. Um, Stage four lung cancer, the mm. big C word, right? Which has some, a lot of stigma, mm. negative, negative connotations, of course, and people just don't like to talk about it. So I'm sorry to everybody out there in YouTube land, but you know, uh, today we went to this place called the Cancer Support Community, which we've been going to uh, ever since that diagnosis. And I hope nobody needs to get to know them, but they are a wonderful organization, which is really helping our family get through it. So mm. spent some time wow. there with the the adults kids broke off into their age groups and we got some nice um support so that you know that's that's what's what's what i'm, what I'm really feeling is you're feeling supported some i'm feeling supported and the weight of reality mm, heard uh, of dealing with that so mixture well i really appreciate your honesty i really appreciate it i'm here yeah, for you well, here, you know here on the podcast for empathy and imagination it's a good space to be able to really Say what's going yeah, on. This is a good forum for those real feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That's. Is there anything else to share there? No. Okay. I, I'd say that's that's enough. Thanks. Yeah, Thank cool. you. All Thank right. You. Okay. So it's time for some topics. You got a topic? I do have a couple of topics. Um, let's start with the first one. Now, this is a broad topic, and sometimes on the show we like to go into topics that are like very local and close by, and then sometimes we like to take top- topics that are very large and overlooking. And this is something that's very near and dear to me, and I've done volunteering in this world, and I know some about it. Sex working? <laughs> Not quite. Well, close. It's why has the why has the United States dollar um, been consistently falling? throughout 2017 and throughout the last um, 98 years, essentially. Mm. So, for example... So a little above my head on this mm. one. Well, the thing... Macroeconomics. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Falling in value as it compares to other foreign currencies? Yeah. Hmm. So even with inflation and all that stuff, the yeah. adjustments, it's still... A dollar today is not... The same as the dollar in 1970. Uh, internationalbanker.com says the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency, the representation of U.S. economic might on the global stage, and to the de facto currency unit for the overwhelming majority of financial assets. Throughout 2017, however, the greenback has taken a long and sustained nosedive, 
to hit multi-year lows, the U.S. dollar index, which measures the value of the dollar against a weighted basket of currencies belonging to six of the United States' biggest foreign trade partners, the euro, yen, pound sterling, Canadian dollar, Swedish krona, and Swiss franc, recently slipped to its lowest level in more than two years. So that, to me... Um, I'm going to start oh there, God, and then I want to, and then I want to jump to this other topic, which is connected and a little bit different. I'm going to get the uh, audience in on this. The penny costs more to make than the coin is worth. Right. I think we should abolish. But rounding to the nearest nickel might cost even more. Abolish the penny. Hmm. Governments have long waged war on cash in attempt to curb terrorism and tax evasion. Their focus has typically been on eliminating large deno uh, denominations like Europe's 500 euro bill or India's 1,000 rupee note. Right, Two right. U.S. lawmakers it's have a much smaller target in mind. The, lo the lower penny, perhaps, and most commonly found in jars and underneath couch cushions, but rarely used to actually pay for things. Their complaint is that the cost to mint billions of these one-set coins every year is costing taxpayers a small fortune. So is it time to end the coins? 230-year run. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's also har it's hard to get a hundred dollar bill. It's harder than it used to be. If you go into the bank and you and you want to take out two hundred dollars, they will they will try to convince you to get lower than hundred dollar denominations, like fifties or twenties. Yeah. Huh. So I think they're what they're phasing out the upper level thousand dollar bills and such. Hmm. I think they need to phase out the penny, too. Why do you think that's happening? Why do you think we Why? want... Okay, so it costs, just right about now, it's like 1.8 cents to make a penny. It costs that much. So we're the, the, the farce coin we're making is costing us more than even it can represent. Right. So that, to me, is a signal that we've, a, we've reached a point. It's like the final corp dollar bill that you can buy for five bucks. Yes. Yeah. You're wasting your time on I those am. pennies. On those pennies. Yeah, there was the, the a, there was a well, why, oh, but it, let's what look at that what as a symptom. What is that telling yeah. us? Also, just quickly, there was a um, I forget where, but they got rid of the of the penny of their currency and it was like totally fine. It was, you know, it wasn't like a Y2K <laughs> thing, <laughs> you know. The economy was fine, everybody was fine. Nothing collapsed. So you're saying you're saying what what does it say about our culture that we're getting rid of pennies and no. $10,000 bills? We aren't getting rid of pennies. And there, I don't think there is a $10,000 bill. We're going to keep pennies for now. But what does it say about our system that it costs two pennies to make a penny? And that pennies are useless. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's, let's apply empathy and imagination to that question. My let's guess would be say, interest, in. interest rates and inflation. Uh, Federal Reserve. Interest rates, inflation, Federal Reserve. I think I think yeah, I think you're on the topic. Centralized uh, manipulation of currency. I also think it depends on who you listen to, but I think that China's been screwing us royally because they're buying our money. Time. Do you know anything about that? China buying our money. Well, they're just taking over almost all manufacturing. I don't really. I, I can't even really wrap my head around what that is. Buying money, you know. Well, there's big bonds and stocks, and our government has them, and then China's holding a bunch of them. Like, they gave us money to hold our debt, as I, as I understand it. Mm. And so 
Yeah, you, and you go like, why? What does that do? They're like banking, like they're hoping they're going to make money on the deal. And they they are. <laughs> they. But they is really hmm. President Chi or she. And I mean, what does that even mean? I don't even know what I'm talking See? about. So Arizona rep Jim Hayes first tried to get rid of the penny in 1989 under the Price Rounding Act. And many others have urged its elimination since, leading to the TV series The West Wing, even to mock the debate in one of its episodes. Former President Barack Obama lent his voice to the cause in a 2013 interview in which he called the penny a metaphor for the government's difficulty in giving away wasteful services. The latest salvo came in March when Senator John McCain and Mike Enzi introduced legislation to eliminate the minting of pennies, Bill also produces switching the paper $1 bill to a coin and changing the composition of the nickel in order to bring the cost down. He said it would lead to an estimated $6 billion in, $16 billion in savings. Hmm. The penny wouldn't be the first form of currency the U.S. has eliminated. We got rid of half cent in 1857. You know, it's like, why eliminate the penny? One of the most compelling reasons cited for getting rid of the penny is the fact that it's become unprofitable due to inflation and rising cost of metals. The U.S. Mint has been losing money on every penny it's produced since 2006. And I think because of its sort of unwieldiness, there's probably, I don't know what the number is, but there's probably like a million dollars just in pennies that are just sitting in drawers because it's it, it it's not like uh, they're hard to spend, you know, they're hard to spend, you need a bunch of them before you have any reasonable incentive to go to the bank and cash them in. So there's probably millions of dollars in American wealth that's just tied up <coughs> in drawers of Penny pennies. Drawers. Maybe interesting we give thought. all the pennies to the Chinese. Oh, okay. And move on, right? Uh-huh. But I, I have a question. I'm, I mean, do you really go to the bank to get rid of your pennies? Because what I find is it's just not worth the effort. I, yeah, to exactly. To roll them. Exactly. So I take them to Coinstar. And they take a percent. And they take 10%. They take man. that yeah. percent, yeah, I, which makes me very like angry. Me fucking you. Makes <laughs> you. Yep. Makes me very angry. And um, I just wish that I thought of that idea. Yeah. Right? They could do it for 1%. Ten but cents they're taking for every 10. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. For and 1%, it, that'd be a service. And you're paying for the convenience. Oh, I just dump it in. Yeah. So yeah. So that if we're unwilling to touch, think about all how much that costs. Just the idea of thinking about pennies, rolling them, going to Coinstar. <laughs> da, 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 da. If we got rid of pennies, we could probably save billions. A probably a couple, a couple, couple dollars. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're crazy. Three hundred cents. No. Well, I wouldn't go to the bank without 500 pennies or Coinstar even. Right. Like if I don't have 500, I'm not going. I mean, the mm -hmm. last time I went to the bank with rolled coins was probably 20 years ago or something. Same here. See, but that's what you were saying. We don't go to the bank. You know, we no. do. We, we, we go like this. We go in our phones. We go, how is this? This is the me. bank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually got rid of my brick, and, brick and mortar bank. You just have an it's online all, bank? Everything's online now. Really? I can't walk. How do you get cash out at an ATM? Um, well, I can do that, but I don't. I don't. I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a like a. I can do a, that. An, H, an HQ. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? HQ. Well, it means I could. I could move to Boston, and nothing would change in terms of where I'm banking. Mm -hmm. 
I've been like that for for about 15 years, including business banking. What's yeah. your ba- and I can, I can go to any ATM and it can have a $9 fee. At the end of the month, that fee is refunded to me. Okay. This is uh this sounds good. It's better. It, it's good. Is it a credit union? No, no. This is just uh I just do Schwab. Schwab? What's it called? I wanted to marry this uh this checking account when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> free uh free postage on so the so the thing is you can't depositing something takes a few days. Can you do it with your That's phone? Issue. Yes, but it still takes a few days. Uh That's you fine. you earn interest on your checking balance, free checks, ATM refunds. Right. I got to tell my business no overage o- charges. operator about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need a switch. When I man. saw this holy thing, cow, really. You know, I was Why didn't you tell me? I wanted to <laughs> wanted to masturbate again when I saw this. this you were so again. excited. Um but again, it's it's one of those confusing. It's a confusopoly, the banking, the whole banking environment. You know, confusopoly. I like that. It's like, yeah, there are a thousand different plans to choose from. Which one's right for you? I don't know, because because the, the differences are so slight. Just like cell phone plans, we talked we talked about this last week. The the confusing ripoffs. <laughs> yeah, those are P- topic. plans that are so complicated, but <laughs> only slightly different. <laughs> Um, so you feel like you have a lot of options, but really you don't. That buzz is bothering you. It's growing on you. I, I tuned it out. But what do you think, Drew? You think we should get rid of the penny? No. I think we should keep the penny, and we should keep having pennies. I guess what I'm trying to say is a, a penny for your thoughts. Okay. I think we should keep the penny. And I think we should have diseases on the pennies. I think we should pass them around in weird penny trading rituals. <laughs> I want to take pennies up idea. in butt cracks of the homeless men and women of America. And I want to smear them around and then pass them out for really vile services. That's, I think, the best use of pennies. Okay. Because zinc, Anchors. Is, zinc, is, zinc is useful. If you were to hammer a bunch of pennies together, you could build a powerful anchor, you know. So, it's like... There we go. I, I, I want to keep pennies. I don't want to get rid of them because it's a reminder that the, it's it's um, it was great. My opinion is it was fantastically beneficial that capitalism and the... U.S. dollar system worked and all the ways it has worked to build all the things we use now. Mm. And I, I'm looking for a way to gently retire it as we step on to the next level of organizing goods and services between people. I think it was the best thing to happen to the world until it created the best thing to happen to the world. Mm. And it did. It, uh, so you can't poop on it. You it's can't. Like, it's almost like monopoly money, pennies. Like good, good for demonstrating principles of capitalism, right? Mm. So you could interesting uh, okay, save okay, a okay. save a penny a day. Oh, at the end of the year, you have like three dollars and sixty five cents, son. <laughs> That's how capitalism and works. That's how interest works. You could buy a sandwich at McDonald's, <laughs> right? Right. Which will make you tired. You could buy one gallon of gas. <laughs> um, so ma- maybe it has like demonstrable value. 
pennies. Maybe they're more valuable as the, the concept of them is more valuable than their actual value. Well, at Burning Man, people make art out of pennies. Do they? Big time. I haven't seen that. When, well, I've been out there. Jim, Jim's actually, we're all burners. When I've been out there years, they've been plenty of penny uh, art setups. You know, whole animals and shapes, art cars covered in pennies. That's a good use of pennies. It is a good use. And that yeah. is a good use of pennies. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that. There it was the it guitar. Is. He found it. It's the nice. guitar. Yes. Excellent work. Because <laughs> we were thinking of, pl- you know, we might put some live music in here. So. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So I think it's time for a word from our sponsor. And then let's move on to the next topic. Right after we have closing thoughts on why the dollar is is crashing. The penny seems like a weird thought and topic. And uh, like I I am obviously not against capitalism. I just think it worked so well that it's time for it to step aside. The dollar. What do you think? The dollar might be crashing in part because of. Come on. The dollar. The, the the dollar the broke your microphone. The dollar might be crashing in part due to cryptocurrencies. Mm. I knew you were going to bring up crypto. Cryptocurrency. I knew he was going to. Mm. I was like, I could have bet money. And you know he what? He was going to bring up crypto. I think governments are going to start issuing their own cryptocurrencies. Are they going to be and, blockchain? And you would be very very stupid to buy them. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Um, because it's it's a way to track you. Oh, like it, it, you insert the chip who in your wrist. The, who wants to use the Fed coin? Nobody. No, I don't. I'd rather. I want to use Hip Coin. Something I would that, rather have a Jim that Lubinsky sounds edgy, coin, right? Jim Lubinsky coin. Think about it. You have a currency from blockchain, and if you, you know, if I work in a band, you need something recorded. You know, you get some Jim bucks, and then if like you know, you come on a podcast then you s- you're spending gym bucks or something you know i don't you know work with I, me I think i'd rather trade lemons and and uh, beer yeah well Lem- we're doing that already that's I mean, like right. the local version. how do we that's how do we take that to the I next level get, is what we're know. saying here hmm. how do we take the lemons and beer efficiency we've just produced lemonade uh, <laughs> <laughs> lemon beer yes lemon beer. that's more of a summer lemon ale right for a lemon lemon beer right it sounds summery yeah Um, what if there was a you know a crypto? There is a cryptocurrency that's basically uh, electricity exchange. So I'm off the grid, right? Living off the grid, but I have an internet connection, and I exchange uh, this electricity token to someone who has an excess of electricity, and I just I buy directly. You know, it's like for me and PG&E. Do you have solar panels, or is that, are you like a dealer? They have solar. Pa- they have excess energy, and I just pay them like a a, a cryptocurrency to use it. Yeah. So cryptocurrency for for transmitting electricity. Interesting. It's so it's like the PG and E of cryptocurrencies. Again, it's like it's like the new internet. But do we need trying to get your brain around how powerful the blockchain is? Is hard because it's, it's, there's so many uses for it. Well, like okay, so here's a question. It's like can can we does it have to be everything's a different blockchain do we have no. to have like 
all the like where there's like 900 million it doesn't currencies doesn't have to be anything cuz it's not centralized no one's controlling it well then can we can we make it one blockchain for all the earth fish is that is that too far i mean it's possible i don't know why you'd want to do that though like you could have gradient bunks okay for the studio and the garden and the rabbits and other so like people buy gradient bucks and and the, or you know gradient uh, tokens whatever gradient bucks and that's like stock. They're like buying stock in the studio or whatever projects Gradient has. So it's almost like they're investing in you by buying your currency. But they could also pay for things. Like, so, oh, oh we're going to do How a podcast do at Gradient Studios, that, so that yeah. costs one Gradient buck. How do we set that up? I want to definitely get that going. It's an emergency. need a fleet of I programmers. That, I think that's what Venezuela is doing this month. Aren't they? Aren't they starting their own? Yeah, uh, I think so. Right? Didn't they flip over the government over there? They just like turned up the table and fuck you. Weren't mm -hmm. they eating eating each other? Eating well, dogs? It, it didn't get that bad. It did. They're they're eating each other in Venezuela. No, well, not it was like dog food. But there's yeah, there's no food in the country. It's pretty bad. Socialism. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad. It's, there's dangers with socialism. There are dangers. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Good, well, that's a good topic. So, yeah. From, so pen, from pennies to crypto. Did you have a final thought on penny, like penny and how the dollar, like in 1970, the purchasing power was higher for someone making, you know, $30,000 a year then compared to right. now, you say someone like you might be making $65,000 a year and then they have less purchasing power than that person did. Right. Like, how does that feel? Like, how does that land on your psyche? <clears throat> Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's beyond me. When we get into macroeconomics, and I think, I mean, uh, when the power when the dollar is high, it it affects our imports, right? By making it uh, more difficult to buy American products. So with a weaker dollar, exports increase. Correct. Uh, that's the that's how that works. So yeah. it's not a, it's not exactly a bad thing that you know. I mean, and looking at the chart. It's it's up and down. I haven't seen a, a long term when that looked like about a two year graph. There's it's but basically been an exponential ramp since the nineteen sixties hmm. of no, that devaluation of the yeah. dollar. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I'm uh, you know I took microeconomics in college, but What's, what what is that? Oh, it's like you know accounting and stuff. You know, I no, I, I I really I couldn't define it right now, but maybe we can <laughs> Wikipedia that and okay clear it up. Right on. So would you say that the um, the way capitalism operates now? Do you f do you see what do you see as its strengths and weaknesses? The way the dollar works and capitalism is now. Uh, he got me there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that's perfect. Okay, I stumped. I stumped him. You stumped yes. me real good. Okay, that's perfect. So, I think that that there, that's a long-standing topic, and I, I think we're going to find that there's a lot of debate about what's right to do 
and how we should move forward. It's my opinion that the cap the way capitalism works now is it, it will probably end before I like my my expected lifetime. I think we'll be operating something so different that it'll be basically unrecognizable. Where do you see it going? Well, I see us starting with a universal basic income. I see if you were to include all of the money from the welfare and all of the also corporate welfare included, which there is billions of, you could easily give every every person over the age of 18 at 12,000 bucks a year one month at a time you know thousand you know thousand maybe 1100 bucks could really get you rent and food and keep you know Universal the power of basic income. yeah as a, a, that's what I th- he was asking where do I think this is going hmm. and I'm Did like Canada I, implement it recently there have been in the teens like between 17 um, of different countries that have tested different are testing different universal basic income systems they had good results so far there have been mostly mostly what people do is they work more they start new businesses they innovate and they're happier mostly that's what happens the the whole like the person goes well i got all the dough i need so i'll just like eat chips and melt into a couch that's the exception that's like 0.0001 percent it does occur but it's small because really it's like you have less worry I would do all kinds of shit. You have less worry about, oh, fuck, I've got to make rent to this month. And a lot but of people live in that. knowing that it's all taken care of and anything you do is like above and beyond your basic needs, I think that motivates you more. But where does the base income come from? Well, if you take all of the welfare like what's money it based that's on? in the U.S. now, and mm-hmm. you take which is large, mm-hmm. and you were to take all of the corporate welfare, which is way larger... And you were to take probably that would probably cover like ninety percent of what I'm talking about. So you'd have to we'd have to creatively figure out like another maybe ten percent. But we need a spreadsheet. Oh yeah, we need a spreadsheet, obviously. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we're not far off uh-huh. from thirteen thousand dollars a year per person. Look, mm. you to get you automate the fuck out of healthcare, and you have self driving cars. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's no drunk driving, there's no texting while, there's no uh, crashing while driving while texting or whatever. Insurance goes way down. Taxes actually go down. Um, but we're still able to fund universal basic income, mm-hmm. even though taxes have gone down because automation. Yep, that's, that's what, right. That's what I see as the, the solution. To yes, that. and I see. I can see a movie now where it's like there's a guy who's who's got a business and he's making money, and he's re- he's re- like I don't know. Hey, universal basic income's coming my way. I don't really need it, you know. I'm already cash flesh, so I'll just totally put this in my whatever account and it'll totally work out for me. Bada bing, right? So right, or you could you could forego your universal basic income, but still maybe earn interest on it or something. Some yeah. some incentive yeah, sure. for you to give away. You get it. What you're already ha- what and you, you already can give it away, or you can put it in a se- whatever. You can do it. So what I'm saying is, here's this rich guy. He gets this universal basic income. He's like, I don't need it. Hey, hey, you know. And then, like, he's doing his <laughs> is business. He from Chicago. Yeah, he's doing his business, and he's and he's so there's adversity and there's some trouble, and then it's like key guy dies, and then his, his wife leaves him, and then 
all of a sudden he's on the streets and his business is gone. And he's like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? I'm totally destroyed. I'm, I, I've been left in the wilderness now with nothing. And then he goes, oh, wait. I just got to get my $1,100 on the first. And I'm going to be oh fucking K. I'm going to try again. You know, it's like then you get to try. Everyone gets to try all kinds of shit. And if everyone can try all kinds of shit. Yeah. Dude, it's going to get crazy. I was again. I was sort of against it. Now I'm warming up to it. Warming really up more. to it. Mm-hmm. The universal basic income. I mean, for me, and not, not for any personal reasons, but, uh, you know, for me it would be, yeah, what would you do if you just, the basics of the month's expenses, all bills are paid for the month. Basically. What do you do then? Yeah. Well, you're probably going to maybe smoke weed and get drunk <laughs> a few nights. Yeah. But you can't do that every night. No. You're g- and you're going to get restless. And you're going to want to do things that interest you. Mm-hmm. You know, most most people will. I think it's well, it's okay. like the uh, 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 Buckminster Fuller. He's like, if everyone's needs are met, uh, one of the one of the one of the sort of pushbacks against that argument is, oh, well, who will take out the trash? And Bucky says, well, there'll be plenty of people. Uh, with waiting to take out the trash, mm-hmm. they will love to do it. They will look forward to doing it, because for every ten thousand people that are slackers, there's going to be one person who's going to take out the trash. Absolutely, absolutely. So the trash will get taken out. It's not because n- people not just e- will. It's yeah. not like everyone's sitting around all indolent and like o- in an opioid den. Yeah, <laughs> that's not <laughs> going to be. Not yet. That's not going to be the majority of people. But once you have Amazon Prime Prime, when you can lay in a pool of slime and the helicopter drone brings you anything you order and you order bring it with it your mind, <laughs> right. that you're laying in your slime, it's at it's at body temperature, in your mind you order products and they come to you by the drone, you don't even move and you can just insert them into your gelatinous syringe and then enjoy them in your bloodstream. There will still be the, the caretakers. <laughs> <laughs> There will still be the uh, the caretakers of the automated pro- uh, processes, you know. If everything's automated, there's still there's still going to be people programming the automation. For now, but I I get commercials in my YouTube feed every so often. They're like, "Automation is beyond what you think it is. You can buy this thing now." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, that's past where I thought it was for sale now." And they're advertising to me because obviously I'm typing that yeah, crap into the computer. And like the, acceler- the acceleration of uh, technology is just mind-blowing. Well, we have this product I sent to you the other day that would replace all of this that's happening here to make this show possible. It's one device that sits in the middle of the room and does all of it. Yeah. It's wide <sighs> angle. I like this, this setup. It's very impressive. It's, it's basically retired technology. Yes, from the ceilings and on tripods, and it's a it's really wonderful use of of techno garbage. You basically got musicians. Yeah, thank if you. I had a hat, I'd take it off. Well, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. You've got musicians like you're speaking into a bass drum microphone, right? This is a, that's a repurposed that's monitor. That's my bass These drum microphone. Old iPhones. I you, think don't, you don't need a bass drum microphone anymore. You're all well. Uh, yeah, that's right. why you're exactly. speaking into it. Right. See, mm-hmm. that th- only because I didn't need it anymore. Right. But sometimes I would use it. I mean, I do have real drums. And really, the only investments, um, like things that we bought 
after we got here was this. Yeah, the iRig. So that we can have... I bought this. Our mixi- mixer feed go into the iPhone. And the snake, the XLR snake. Those are so two so things that were bought. So we're actually recording all so this, So these too. tubes aren't really doing anything? No, it's just no, for decoration. Man, it just looks good. Yeah, it does look good. You're going to pour salsa over it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we're, it's... This is in the midst of getting fixed. Yeah, it's right? mid. It's mid repair. You can you can see down these here. orange. See yeah. this here, Jim. This loose wire. Uh-huh. Into the there's another one much like it, very near it, and then the just the, the jacks for plugging in the quarter inch cable, they're being replaced, and then we'll have the the whole full B fifty two region. You know, I posted a picture of this to Facebook last night, but it has it also has the little uh, flowery tablecloth underneath, which I just mm-hmm. thought was a nice combination. Appreciate that. And two amazing technicians responded and huh. said different things oh, about well, it. So if you need huh. backup, yes, Let's hear it. Yeah, let's, let's check it out. Pull it out. Read on wow, this, this is awesome. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Let me see what if I can find this. <clears throat> well, today's episode is brought to us by Final Corp. Oh, you, yeah. got, it? you got it there? Yep. Good. If you want, we can show it. Or so we can show the photograph. Here, let me, uh, let me do this. This is actually how we do it. It's clearly a party. There's a bottle cap in there, and you know the around the tubes we have party lights. And you have the diagonal cutters handle. I just handle. love the logo of the AT100. It's just a great retro logo, you know. Yeah, thank you. I like this amp. I, it's a really great metal amp. Is it? Yeah. For a guitar. Yeah. Is it? I play that thing through this, and that's all I need, man. I don't need any other pedals or anything. I'm so good. The the first technician that responded okay. is uh, Matt Fu. I, I call him Mr. Fu. Right. Right on. Thank Burner, you, Matt Fu. Been the Burning Man with him. He says, electrons want to be free, <laughs> not slaves in some horrible semiconductor gulag. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, I love that. Love That's it. a love quote. It. I love that. And then Fred Boba, who um, is an amazing technician, if you're out there watching right now, hats off to you. Uh, used to work with him at uh, A&M Records. He was a technician there. Um, I made a career out of being an electron traffic controller evaluation or recertification technician. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. Some good uh, sense of humor on these, I uh, hope we these can high-end technicians. For those who are watching, cut that into a clip and just post those two quotes together on yeah, one, that's great. one thing. Oh, my gosh. I'll I'll post it in the comments later. Okay, thank you. Wow, holy shit! So, Jim, tell me tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. that, like the AMC Records. Wait, you just dropped A&M. that like A&M, A&M, A&M Records. Records. You just dropped that like you're it's a, a sexy lady. So what's what's the deal? T- start. Well, How did you get into that? It was a previous career. So um, I studied music at uh, Berkeley College of Music, uh, right. recording and production. Recording and production. Yep. Okay, that's why you mixed my songs so well. It's Did I? so much better. Did yeah. I do that last night? It was two, three weeks ago. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so I, I studied that and then moved from Boston to Los Angeles, and I, I hit the pavement. I uh, started knocking on studio doors, um, knocked on Mad- Madonna's studio. Did you? Were you like a wide-eyed, yeah, young and dumb kid who didn't mm-hmm. know what? Young and dumb, and I mean, is that why you hit the pavement? Because you just well, I was—I I knew what I wanted. I wanted to work for a studio, so right. 
got an interview uh, at Madonna's studio and they were about to record the Smithereens. Um, this would have been in uh, 91, so whatever so you came out in 92. So you just you went to LA, got an apartment, and like looked through the trades and looked at where the studios were. And mm -hmm. went to them. Yeah, and started just knocking on the door. Hey, wow. you hiring? And dude, uh, that's so ballsy. In 91. Dude, that's you could awesome. still do that in 91. You could still do that. I'm yeah, proud of you. That's Jesus. awesome. I don't know that's if they cool. let you do that anymore. But after interviewing um, with um, Dooley, this is, was his last name, um, he's like, well, I can hire you for six weeks for the Smithereen record, but then I'm going to have to let you go. But I know they, they need someone over at A&M. He goes, hey, let me call Mark Harvey. So he picks up the phone and he goes, hey, Mark, I got a guy for you hands me the phone to the studio manager and I'm like yeah just like that I'm looking for a for a gig and goes, th th what is that what would you call that gig what's the name of that gig it would be um, that was uh, you know to get your foot in the door in the studios you had to start making the coffee right okay, so it was a right. runner right so basically you just go for work yeah working around the studio it was like production assistant or something not even a runner <laughs> is what it was. Just, We've all done that. Yeah, give me a runner. I need something. Do the shit I anything, say to do. Right? right. Could be anything. Cigarettes, food, coffee, whatever. And uh, and then you you know, you're then you're in the system. And right. And then um, from there, I just got put onto different projects. Got to work with Lenny Kravitz and Alice Cooper. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Lenny Kravitz. What year? Ninety-five. Lenny Kravitz. This is a good oh, story. Go so it was actually on a on a Stevie Winwood album. So Stevie Winwood sent the tapes over from England, and um, Steve Winwood from Traffic yeah, fame, from Traffic. And then he went. He did a solo career. I think mm -hmm. he was in the Eagles for a brief period too. Yeah, he may have been. He worked. With, he played with Clapton. That's right. In Traffic, I think yeah, Clapton was in Traffic. Um, so one of my first actually recording gigs was was recording Lenny Kravitz. And uh, first this was in recording gigs. Gosh yep. dang it, Jim! It was a PSA for Alice Cooper. Was the first <laughs> one, and then, and then Lenny Kravitz. And Lenny Kravitz at the time, back in the time, he had the the dreads. This right? was like ninety five. This would have been ninety three, ninety four, maybe. So he had the dreads, and uh, he was he was fun to work with. And he was just putting a guitar solo on Stevie Winwood's record. <laughs> <coughs> and um, working on an API console in Studio C, A&M Records. And uh, uh, he was having some troubles at home, so he was taking a lot of phone calls with his, with his grandfather. Oh. And uh, hmm. it's like, so he'd, uh, he'd talk on the phone, and it's like, you can't do that. You can't say that to her. You got you to gotta be nice to her. And going back and forth, he's like, hang up the phone. Okay, let's do another pass. Let's, like, set up the recording and he'd get into it and he's like his dreadlocks are flying all over the place and at one point his hair got stuck in the guitar <sighs> right and like he had the cut off strings like he, he's like oh i had to sit there for about 10 minutes and untangle him from the <laughs> guitar and that's, but he was that's a, why i chose to go bald i just <laughs> you know didn't want to deal it with it simple yeah. Yeah. yeah but we ended up getting a good take and it made the record what tune was so. it? Do you remember? I can look it up. I gonna go my way. No, no, it was a. It was just a track off, off Stevie Winwood. Yeah, I'll look it up here and I'll, I'll let you cool. know. Right. Cool. Well, today's show. We today's can play it too. We, we can. Is, yeah. Brought well, to perfect. you by Final Corp. Let's do that. Yeah. It'll be fine.
I have a question. Final Corp is the leader in the field of human voice simulation and voice recognition. My name is Amzam Zamani, and I am the product of hundreds of thousands of man hours of Final Corp research and development. My voice is indistinguishable from that of a flesh and blood English speaking human being. Also, grammatical never makes I don't mistakes, for example. Ever. 100% accuracy and 100% fluffly fluency C. Final Corp has also pioneered shout recognition technology, yelling based reminders, and noise amplifying headphones. Take it from me, Zamzam Zamani. Final Corp is the voice of the future. I wanted like a Doogie Hauser ish <laughs> keyboard on that. <laughs> hey, didn't we have the message from the year 10,000 too? Uh, we do. I know we need to run that ad copy. They told Hello. us. Yeah. This is your final court representative from the year 10,000. Please help me. Please help me. The world of the year 10,000 is a nightmarish hellscape. Please help me. I used to be human, but now I am mostly a robot. My arms, legs, neck, ears, hair, torso eyeballs, nose, and mouth have been replaced by certified Final Corp parts. Final Corp rules the world. There is no escape from Final Corp. Final Corp has made my life an unending marathon of despair. Please help me. Please help me. Thank you. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Final Corp. Final Corp. It'll be fine. It will be fine. Remember, folks, Final Corp has only its best interests in mind. Yes. And, of course, it'll be fine. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Final yeah. Corp. Thanks, Final Corp, for sponsoring this message. So, actually, uh, we can um, if, if we can have a little... Uh, yeah, if you want, we can play... I can pull this out and I can plug that into what you got. You ready? You got AV capability. Well, unfortunately, I have an iPhone 8. That's we had a, work. an oh. episode on that. Dude, yeah, no 3.5 millimeter output. God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We use it every kidding? day. I dealt, I dealt with this recently. I was like. Why? I sat there I for, just go back for probably 30 seconds being like. Wait, wait what? what? Uh-huh. You're, like, why? You don't have a You're three and a half You're telling me there's no headphone what? out? What? That changes my whole world. So now you have to buy new headphones. Apples. Dude, sucks. these are not good. I mean, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. They want you to be on the on the the, the Apple whatever train. it is, the Apple train, the wireless headphones. Yeah. So you'll have to look it up on a on a phone that has a three point five mil. What's it called? Yeah. What's the name of the tune? Junction Seven. Huh. Junction Seven. Lenny Kravitz. Never never hit the top charts. It's pretty fucking cool though, man. work with a black Jew. I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> His daughter was in a movie I saw recently. Drum Step, Muzzy, Zoe. Junction 7. Zoe Kravitz. Junction 7, yeah. Yeah, they're all like uh, showbiz. Yep. Let me try this. All the family. Good for him. I mean, he's... Uh, I remember that record. It was He was like using vintage amps, and he was yeah. all into the vintage During sound. The vintage, and yeah. The... the old mixing board the old amps like yeah he loves that it was stuff. impressive it's fun it's a fun way to, to work yeah 
did he have like a vision for that? Was he like, yeah, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it this way, or was it the producer who who more had the vision? And there was no producer. I think they contacted him, and he's like, yeah, I want to do it at A and M because we he knew that we had tons of vintage gear, and um, Studio C was an API. So he was already console. thinking about the vintage yeah. mm-hmm. thing. So we had, yeah, all sorts of combinations of Neves and APIs <laughs> and wow, vintage compression. So. I think that's what drew him in. Mm. It was a fun day. Very cool. Hmm. You pulling something up I'm there? I'm trying to here. I'm so far having a difficult time, but that helps. Drew's pulling something up on the screen. It'll be we a gotta second. get these tubes glowing orange. That's, that's key, even if it's fake. Even if, it, even if it's fake. We could plug it in and turn it on. Oh. Steve Winwood Junction 7? Mm-hmm. We this can is turn it. it in and plug it in and turn it on. It's like it wants me to pay euros or something. Mm. Just no can't, Bitcoin? Can't handle well, that. We'll come back. Bitcoin to option? <sighs> no, no Bitcoin option. Okay. All right. Well, the point of that was that Jim worked with Lenny Kravitz on a Steve Winwood. Well, then what, what happened after that? And like they had a bunch of, bunch of vintage gear. Mm-hmm. So, well, then, then your career, like new music, what happened? Okay, well, you know, that was a fun day in the studio. Okay. Was that like but the first sort of studio gig that you had after being a runner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I got put onto a series of, you know, um, different artists. You know, I, d- I did two records with Bon Jovi, you know, uh, one with uh, the, the least popular Motley Crue album. With, hey, uh, John, congratulations. Yeah, with uh, uh, John Karabi from The Screen. When, um, oh, I don't know the name John Karabi, nor do I, I know the name remember the that, screen. Yeah. Yeah. They I put out a record without Vince, uh, Vince Neil, uh, which was a, Damn, a marketing mistake. But it's a great record. Poison. Great it wasn't even Poison. Record. It was yeah. Motley Crue. But you know <laughs> the the general <laughs> experience of working in Hollywood is um, it's uh, it's absolutely crushing. I mean, I, oh, I, oh I was, okay, uh, yeah, I was huh. working you no know sixteen hours a day on average, seven days a week. I maxed out one week at 134 hours in one week, right? What? So just work, sleep. 134 work, hours. Sleep. That's almost 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four hours of sleep. What were you working on when you, you did that? If you're not that ready for Los Angeles, it's gonna, it'll chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, yeah, it will. I think that was probably uh, if one you're of young, you can, well albums. If you're, if you're young, you can crew. handle it a little yeah. better. And you, so you're like, what are, you, what are you doing 20 hours a day? Like, like literally, what is your body doing? Um, well, my tasks were basically to record everything, work in the patch bay, patching up, you know, all the, the I was a house engineer, a second engineer. So when a artist would say, yeah, we want to do this, it was like, well, this is, this is what plea, works in this a, space a with pearl. this equipment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, over the seven years I, I worked there, I figure it's more about 12 years of experience. Right, right, right. Oh, okay, because so you're working two, yeah. you're working two weeks. Got it, got week. it, got yeah. it, got mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yes, yeah, yes. Or maybe even That's more. That's a good than philosophy. That. Yeah. More, maybe even more than that. Take but advantage of your youth and and energy and so enthusiasm. He got his ten thousand hours and and like double your experience hours. He got you got ten thousand hours in music production like in five days. So, yeah, I mean, or a short period. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Right. It usually takes ten years for ten thousand hours. You probably did it in like seven. Yeah, seven six. or less. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, I, I think one of the best quotes I 
I encountered in Hollywood was when one of my colleagues quit and walked out of the studio and he said, he goes, you're working in a recording studio because you like music is like working in a slaughterhouse because you love animals. <laughs> <laughs> and he quit. He's like, I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I've never, I mean, I've played shows in LA, but I've never like been in Hollywood. I've never right. done anything like that. I work in a bank because I really like money. <laughs> okay. Well, shoot. I mean. So why do you, what, like, um, what is the ideal reason to work in a recording studio? I mean is it because you love music or because you're a tech? Yeah, kind of a combination, geek. right? What I liked about working in the recording studio is I like to make, I like to create an environment where the technology was just sort of transparent, right? Where you, you can know, forget about it. Yeah, you created so environments. I, I, yeah, that's what I like to do. You know, um, so artists could walk up to the microphone and just kind of. You know, do capture a performance. Do what right? they do, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's what I enjoyed about it, like not letting the technology get in the way. And oh. for some reason, that's that's kind of how I transition transitioned from Hollywood recording into biotech IT. Huh. Hmm. It's a weird biotech connection, right? Biotech IT. Uh, the music, music. Feels like me, like a song interlude. <laughs> well, there's a lot of crossovers with mathematics and biology and music. For sure, yeah, perhaps a lot of the same uh, principles. Can you share like how you got introduced into that world? Uh, biotech, yeah, IT. Well, through commercial AV, you know. So you were doing so. stuff. Mm hmm. I just continued to work with you know after I left Hollywood, moved up to the Bay Area. I needed a, you know, I needed a gig. <laughs> so uh, using that experience, kind of pivoted into commercial AV, creating spaces and systems for. For uh, architected, you know, arch spaces, offices, hmm. and whatnot, and and then um, you know ended up getting an opportunity for to work for Genentech. So now I kind of continue to make that, try and make technology transparent, hmm. so people, doctors, you know, scientists can communicate around the around the globe. Uh, you know, without without complication. That's a cool mission. It's pretty cool. So if you put your if you were to put your expertise to work and offer uh, some ideas on how to improve gradient studios, would you would you have any? Yeah. What well, what would and you what would say? They be? Yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. You wouldn't <laughs> change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. Wow. Except they'd get these tubes heated up nice and orange. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We just need power. And maybe I'd move that bottle cap, that Boont bottle cap that's used as a microphone oh, this clamp. That was my idea. Maybe replace that with something else. Other than that. We lost the thing. I wouldn't change a thing. Okay. All right. You wouldn't change a thing. I kind of want to get some uh, SM58s. Yeah. I mean, having, having uh, like microphones would make for a better, easier to balance. Maybe even some... RE20s, you know, radio microphones, you know, that you or can even right up on them without getting that real low. See, that's what right, I want to hear. Right. You want to hear get more up, of that? Yeah, get oh, in I can, there. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, get in there and warm it up for I can, everybody. I can do that for you. I can even bring be the nice bass to down. Have, be nice to have a, an eight-channel uh, headphone amplifier so we can have guests and audience and we wouldn't run out of headphone panel speakers space we could hook it up to the pa and blast our thing into the room but yeah we, we figured out that we could chain those those headphone amps that we have and have a total of six people yeah 
Seven. One, two, six. three, switcher is six. six. That's six. He's right. Okay, cool. Uh, well, yeah, just better mics, right? Just. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, okay, I think then that is, that's that. Let's go into your topic. I got a topic. I what's think you guys can both relate what's to this, this topic. N- what's this topic? The topic is music rehearsal studios. Oh, shit. I mean, you guys remember this? When, was, when did you get your first music rehearsal studio? Was it your friend's parents' garage? Did it have running water? <laughs> was the toilet completely encrusted with shit? Was there not even anything? I mean, was it like, were there walls and like dangerous outlets to try to plug into? Maybe. But was, yeah, okay. Dangerous outlets. Uh-huh. Sure, I'll tell you. I'll give you. What was I'll your give first? You what was your first rehearsal space? First. Friends Garage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Friends Garage. Second one was uh, f- uh, Friends Barn. Super hot. A barn. Second floor what of a barn. What state is this? Massachusetts. Second floor of the barn, so it was super muggy and hot and <laughs> dusty and grungy in the summers, and we would like, yeah, we th- we thought we were in a band, you know. Uh, it was more about posing than it was about playing music. You guys didn't play much music. We played music, but it was, we just thought it was so cool that we were in a band, right? <laughs> I don't know. Once it got real, though, the real deal, once you start paying for studio, for rentals, for rehearsals, that's when it gets weird. Well, we actually were talking about this recently. We were. We did talk about it. Mm -hmm. So so one of my first ones was like at Hingham Harbor uh, Ferry Terminal. There was this little building, and the the guy's name is John Ridlon. You can look him up. And he looks like Lorenzo Lamas. He looks like uh, Renegade. You know that show, Renegade, Lorenzo Lamas? He just looks like this Hollywood superstar. And he was the guy. You know, He had long hair, and he was renting us these studios. And, uh, you know, like one bathroom, no hot wa- no running water, toilet doesn't flush, no, never any toilet paper. Sounds like heaven. And it seemed... For so long, it seemed like every rehearsal studio was that. Like, that was just how it was. Where there was no running water. The landlord was an absentee prick. Until I got to California with OMC. Really? And I was like, oh, there's running water? This is amazing. So, I'm interested, though, in any music rehearsal studios you guys have been involved in. Have there been any break-ins? I've had <laughs> I've had break-ins. I've had shit stolen. I'm gonna and knock I've on microphone here and go. I've never had a musical studio break-in. I've had psychotic landlords. Oh yeah, I've had psychotic ridiculous landlords. rent, weird locations. Have you experienced many? So I'm interested in what you guys rehearsal studio situations. Well, my first rehearsal studio was in my friend's mom's basement. And I just can't believe that she tolerated that <laughs> for as long as it went on. Months? Years. Were there drums? Years. Drums? Yeah. There were drums. Yep. There nice were drums. lady. I appreciate her. Thank and you. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Can we thank her? <laughs> uh, Mrs. 
Mishevsky. Mrs. Mishevsky, I'd like to thank you. Jim Lubinsky is one of the best musicians I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, too much. In, ter- in terms no. of most annoying. You heard this guy on brass? Most, like annoying, an most annoying instruments snare drum, <laughs> uh, violin. Yeah. <laughs> that, there's, and there's no others. <laughs> it's just those two. But yeah, it's funny to think about your, your parents putting up with, or your friend's parents putting up with these kids just I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she did it. My very first band, we rehearsed on the porch of my house in Don Pedro. So we had, there was electrical so outlets the on the porch. The whole neighborhood could hear it. No, because only only one house was in like, was, was in like sort of ear distance, but we were on 1.2 acres and everyone else kind of had like an acre and a half or something. It was pretty spread out. So... On the porch, it was cool. There was like this, there's this little section where there was two there's st- two stairways. So it was like one going left, one going right, and there's this big like flat area. It was very respectable porch, but it was connected to a double wide, manu- pre manufactured situation. So it was like, you know, a good combo. So my very first re- very first rehearsal space was my first band, Parasite Funk Project. Mm. Parasite Funk Project had four members and one of the members was an atheist and the rest were devout Christians. <laughs> and so it was weird because remember the, the guy who was writing the lyrics. Wait, so you were the atheist? The atheist? I was the atheist. And uh, and the guy we started writing this really heavy song. And he wanted to call it Death Rocks. Not ironically. That's what the Christian singer wanted to call Not in an ironic way. He wanted to go, Death Rocks. That's what we wanted to do. And I was like, well, dude, hold on a second, man. That's beautiful. I was like, dude, that's beautiful. Let, let's go. Let's call it Life Rocks because look at all the cool things we can do. And then he changed it to Life Rocks, and the song became Life Rocks. So our for our show was at the Christian Youth Center, okay. the church, and that was our our only show. And uh, we're, we're it talking went about, well. We're talking about rehearsal spaces. Yeah. But so yeah. my f- my first rehearsal space was on that porch. That's right. Right. That's right. what I'm saying. My best rehearsal space was when I moved to uh, San Francisco. It was in a uh, warehouse, 10,000 square foot warehouse. We called it the ranch. Mm. Four of us lived there. <laughs> Illegally. And, uh, uh, it was semi-illegally. It was a bad idea. But, you know, we, we lived, there was a um, trucking company downstairs that every morning would fire up their diesel trucks. Mm-hmm. So I had this giant squirrel cage fan which would, which I'd turn on, which would blast fresh air into my space, which was a little penthouse over the roof, Holy so shit. that it would had po- it would have positive airflow yeah. and keep the diesel out, most of the diesel or some of the diesel, less diesel exhaust. Did that work? Uh, not very well. Like oh. Not very well. <laughs> not very well. But when we came home from work, you were sleeping above the God diesel warm up. It was room? really. It was very bad. Yeah. Jim Robinsky. It was very bad. Yeah. It wasn't healthy. 
Um, but I feel fine. <laughs> I feel pretty. I feel pretty good. You know. Um, yeah. But what was great about it is we had this. We called the grand room, right? It, it wasn't very grand, but it was big. It was probably about a thousand square feet, and um, everybody had their little rigs that they were working on. You know, drum set. Um, Carl, the grower of this, out in Gerlach, lived with me at that time. Drum set, didgeridoo, hooked up through a microphone, through a series of effects processors. So he would mm. just rock on the drums and play didgeridoo at the same what do you time. Mic a, what do you mic a didgeridoo with? He had a little clip-on down at the bottom, and then a vocal mic. So he had several things going the on. Two, and I two mics. Yeah. Didgeridoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, what I called an octophone, right, which was uh, basically an eight-track mixer with everything feeding back into itself, right? And I had that, and then... Um, Sounds dangerous. So microphones coming into it, instrument microphones coming into it, um, effects processors, stomp boxes, all feeding back, so you could feed anything back into itself. And uh, so you get some really interesting sounds. Basically, it's, you know, it's a funky analog synthesizer. Right, mm. but you always had to keep your hand on the output, right? Or else it would. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was important to. What would happen? It would clip easily. It would just. It, it was. You know, everything was. It would just build up, and if it hit the amp, at anything, you know, it could hurt people. Okay. <laughs> it could yeah. hurt, right. hurt eardrums and people. But if you, if you're, I mean, the instrument itself it was all about the output, how much you're sending uh -huh. out to the amp, right? And you get some really interesting sounds, and by sweeping the EQs, you can really really change that a lot you know you can change what's happening in that endless infinite feedback loop um, like but that. what we all had was you know we had our station set up so whoever wanted to jam just hit the on button boom and you had your it was a talk about noise there was always a lot of underlying noise but it was a very creative space that we could just walk in and hit one button oh, for that's the dream and you're That's done. The dream. We've you had so in, many conversations about that. You walk in, you hit that. one button, and you pick up the guitar, and it makes it it's perfectly in tune, makes a perfectly great chord, and it's all being recorded. <laughs> right. Yeah. The dream. The dream. You had the That's dream. That's heaven. Heaven. Walking through well, the we didn't record gates, everything. You hit right. record. You hit yeah. the red, big red button. Ding. Yeah. We did. We did do uh, multi-track recording at times, but it was that was my withdrawal period from Hollywood, so I really wasn't into. Mm -hmm multi-track recording at the time. I was got more it. into making a massive amount of noise. You went into Hollywood and got your 10,000 hours by a shortcut. And then you had PTSD about it. I did. And came to Northern California. Mm -hmm. This place. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Do you, have you found this environment to be healthier than the Southern California environment? Oh, God, yeah. I never really got along with with the Southern California folks. In what, way, in, as what a group. in what way is it more relaxing? As a group. Well, I mean, in in 98 was when I moved from uh, L.A., um, Silver Lake. I really enjoyed Silver Lake. It was funky okay. and it was really nice. Never you been. Know, it sounds it's cool. It's kind of yeah. like the quirkier I had almost an part, acre right? in, you know, just really? outside of Hollywood. Yeah, I had a, I had a gradient. Like, it was very, it was deep. You had a gradient. Yeah. And I and I utilized it. Just it nounified that word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. it's a noun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Uh, it was. It wasn't all bad, but the general. You know, I, I knew I couldn't 
raise a family in the music industry. And that was my biggest catalyst for, for leaving. Because you know? may I interject that you are a talented musician. And can that Thanks. jump in the story here? Can you tell That's me right. about We haven't mentioned that yet, but yeah, Jim plays the drums and the saxophone. And many sing. Guitar. I mean, Jim just sings. Doesn't he play? I don't know. Plays keys? I don't know. I do. Uh, so can we just interject that a little bit into the story here? You caretake the bunker. Uh, my, my passion for music? Yeah, and your skill and what you do with music. Well, I, I started on piano you know, at six years old. Oh, okay. You know. See, that actually explains a lot. That yeah. explains a lot. That's, that makes sense. Mom said, you have to play piano if she you want to have any. Piano right. Lesson, your piano mom lessons was right. are a good idea. Yeah. Your mom was so right, man. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good discipline, right? Yeah. And... Uh, because you know, it's a metaphor that. for so many other things, and mm-hmm. it's, it's like, yeah, and it's visual. Can be right? applied. Yeah, can be applied in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. So started there, and and then in the the fifth grade, we had people come in and introduce us some stringed instruments, you know, cello, violin. I'm like, oh, I want to do that, you know. And my sister was like, she's four years older than me. She's like, no, you you want to be in the band. They have a lot more fun in band, you know. They have the pep band mm-hmm. and the marching band and the jazz band. You want to wait? So I, I waited a year, and then I. I wanted to play trombone and I was in the sixth grade and they, they kind of measured my arm and they're like, no, your, your arm's too short. You can't Ugh, reach fourth what? position trombone. Why don't you do the saxophone That's right. and you're they're small. So why don't you do the, the alto saxophone? I'm like, okay. So I studied that for the next 15 years. Right. Wow. And I never, That's 10,000 uh, hours. Whoa. 15 years. <laughs> That's 10,000 hours. Wow. Yeah. Studied through, near enough. through college. You through studied college. The sax. Yeah. He's a sax. Yeah. But I never, but I always had that passion for drums. You know, I, when I was, right. you know, probably seven, eight, I set up boxes and, and stuff and would just beat on these boxes and just make all these rhythms. And my mom was like, okay, that's enough. Shut that down. You know, so I, I can't stand it anymore. I had, I had to set that aside for quite some time and then hmm. came back to drums. Um, there was a set of drums for sale on the sidewalk just around the corner here. What? Yeah. And uh, got, what kind of like, drums? Uh, Pearl Export. Should we get them? No, oh, that's what I have in the bunker right now. Oh. That's what I've been playing. So I picked those up for uh, four hundred bucks. I was driving by. I, I like stop wow. the car. So you just got another drum kit. Mm-hmm. Pearl. No, no, no. This was the this is the original drum he's, set. He's this talking was, about in the past. Oh, how we, okay, this was okay, about okay, seven yeah, yeah, yeah. years ago. Got it. Got just talking just about origin stories. Yep. And uh, set those up. I mean, they sat for a couple of years, and uh, and then I was like, you know what? I need to start playing these. So I, I took a sawzall case, turned it on end because I didn't have a throne. And I was sitting balancing on a sawzall case, you know, determined trying to, to play yeah. the drums. Determined I'm like, okay, to I gotta. That's yeah, ingenuity. I, and and I didn't have any money. I'm like, okay, I gotta save up some money and get a throne. Got a throne, and then kind of set the the kid up and and uh i've just taken to it yeah just, you seem you seem very it. relaxed when you're playing yeah the drums you, you seem awesome. very in the rhythm in the like you seem there like a like a meditative it's, it's my thing, happy you know? place yeah 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 i like that awesome. i really struggled to love playing saxophone you know there there are times when i when i do love it but i tend to bump up against the ceiling on it where i'm just like damn i just i can't do what I want to get the, the joy out of it. Yeah, I just mm. it doesn't give me the joy like playing drums. I just I get a lot of I get you a lot of back. It's more visceral. It. It's more physical. Very physical. Yeah, that's what I I didn't realize you when I got into it. You find new plateaus. I think mm-hmm. is yeah. important. Well, yeah. 
I, the, when the, I get the moment you, you're playing an instrument and it's just you, you don't feel like you're reaching any new plateaus, mm. that could be dispiriting. I hear yeah. that. Yes, yeah, that's the challenge, and I think we all deal with that as musicians, right? Where we right. kind of bump up against the ceiling. Well, we all have the thing it's like guitar. Mm. I'm I'm just like I'm not a guitar player. Well, we all have our expertise. Yeah, that's that's my that's my analysis of me. You know mm. what I mean? Is it true that we all have our expertise instruments and we play many other instruments? And you kind of know which instrument is your expertise and the one you happen to be the best at it's now. It's the one that you gravitate towards the most. Yeah. You tend to gravitate towards, uh, everyone tends to gravitate towards something more than But you else. do other stuff too. I mean, you play lots so of So for me, things. it's bass. For yeah. you, it's drums. Yeah. Jim. Is, is the saxophone, is that right? Not uh, the sax. You no. plateaued on the sax. Yeah. So I, wh- what's your what's? Well, uh, right currently, I would have to say drums. Hell yeah! You know, I just really like. He's a drummer. That. Mm-hmm. But I also yeah. just to like you know the octophone is is really a unique thing, right? Where you can, it's just an organic. It's controlling chaos, and that's what I like about setting up a system that feeds back into itself. And you have to kind of, it's like whoa. How do you keep it on the rails to make it musical? Most of the mm. time, it's just more more of a ambient. You know, it's not um, uh, melodic. It's more of a an element right, mm. that's happening. And how I like to do that is just to put okay. a live mic up to kind of capture what's happening right now, and then feed that back so it stays current because it's right. you know. So there's still there's live sound going into it, which keeps that that infinite loop mm. alive. Right, because you can keep it alive without adding anything in, but then it won't change, right? Right. Well, thank you for explaining wow. that. That's, that's very cool. It's a philo- uh, very philosophical. Yeah, that's like take on on music philosophy. Te- uh, being a technician, infinite feedback loop. Okay. There are no problems. <laughs> it's like only I'm infinite feedback solutions. I'm I'm looking at these instruments in the, on the other side of the room, and we're going like, well, dang, mm-hmm. is there a way we could put this guy on the drums? And put me Swivel on the all that main that center camera uh-huh. around and, and then put me on the something and someone else on the microphone maybe me on the microphone you on the guitar and see what happens oh you were doing some raps I'll, I'll sing you know I'm a vocalist I can make it work what happened to that bass oh it's not here Tim took it yeah that's yeah, some bass there was a bass here we I don't even know him. cut the dang world it, in dang half it, dang it, dang it. cut it right in half I can uh, I have a bass nearby I can that's how it is for me is like it almost feels like an addiction like if i'm not if i'm not touching bass <laughs> <laughs> once a day uh i it throws me off it actually throws me off interesting you know it's like not brushing your teeth hmm. oh i didn't or brush or my teeth today it's like oh that's what it was or, or i forgot to brush my teeth this morning it's like pooping and I think that's a good way to look at. Uh, that's a good way to systemize, routinize your your um, practice. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I wake up, go play the drums, have a glass of orange juice, and then I uh, go for a run, and then go to work. That's your routine, right? That sounds that like a good routine. That sounds like a wonderful. Drum. But I wouldn't drink orange juice because it's too much sugar. Too much sugar, right? Yeah. Acid. Yeah. Hmm. But I like smoothie. What would it be? Uh, it would probably be like banana, xylem husk, avocado, a little milk. So omega like threes, potassium. Yeah, something like that. Is that a hummingbird whale? 
That's a narwhal. Here, it, can we? Uh, it says, "What's the point?" Yeah, because narwhals have that What's spiral nar- horn. Narwhal. Look at the top of the screen there. I'm glad it's not a hummingbird whale. <laughs> There's another piece of art too by the same artist. That's right like over a there. that's a good alternative name. See, it's on the screen. Shit. So yeah, rehearsal spaces. Oh, that's garages. where we were. That's so how did I we get here? <laughs> garages. That's how, that's how it goes. <laughs> so now I'm at, just now I'm at OMC, Oakland yeah. Music Hall. You have a spot there, and it's the, it's secure. They shut my key multiple off. Multiple levels of security, <laughs> accountability. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. What's why aren't there more rehearsal studios? Because it's loud as fuck and you have all kinds of people who are in very low economic statuses because Musician, if you were rich are poor. Yeah, if you were rich you would just rent. have a studio right right musicians are poor yeah so they're poor tenants and you have to be in a city to be a musician because you have to be in it to win it you know right. what i mean it's like so out in crockett it makes more sense to just have a garage or a separate studio the studio mm-hmm. and you can do it well, Chris. But in the city. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. Uh, one of those tall towers downtown. It's not the Millennial Tower uh, downtown San Francisco, but they have a jam space on like the 30th, 40th floor of this skyscraper uh, with all this vintage gear set up in a soundproof room yes. in one of these high high tower condominiums, right? That's how fun that would be to just have a view of the city view. recording. Yeah, right. You're in the penthouse and it's a studio. I don't know how they work it out, like as far as shared equipment, but you could work it out. Yeah, it can be worked out. I've often envisioned that ever, like a really great hotel would have one of those in it, like at, because I was a flat attendant for a decade, and I was like, there's gyms, and I use the gyms, but. I really wish there was a drum kit and a guitar amp and some guitars. Why not not have all the facilities of Mm -hmm. of a city just in the skyscraper? Yeah. And I always wanted that. But now it looks like they're doing it. Yeah. Nightclub at a level. You have a studio. Yeah. And you just show up and say, the thing that's awesome about hotels is people from all over the world come to a hotel in Houston. Right, because there's all kinds of conventions and shit. I love hotels. And then you go like, oh, I'm going up there. And then you'll find three or four people from all over the wherever. And then you'd be like, okay, let's lay something down. Right. Here's the jam right. space at, at Lumina. Oh, here we go. Uh, so yeah. Show that. You see it? Yeah. There we go. I'll show you a couple pictures out there in internet land. Mm-hmm. Interwebs. This is Lumina? Lumina, yeah. I got a Leslie, Leslie amp. I think there's a Marshall amp in there. Maybe not. Pretty interesting. Electronic drums. Keyboards, PA system. Electronic drums. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the the electronic drums? Do you have any feelings about that? You know, a few years ago, I was looking into, you know, all of them. And I started at the you know six hundred dollar level, and it's it's right. garbage. And then yep. I got up to like it's the fifteen hundred dollar. It just it's barely still not basically garbage. Trash. <laughs> yeah, it's still basically so, mostly trash. Yeah, 
And then you get up to the, you know, I, I don't know what the, I don't remember the, the price point. You're the heads and the sensors. Yeah. The computer, too. You know, I paid $400 for my export pearls on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, looking at the electronic drums, you had to get up to, like, multiple thousands of dollars. Five grand? You, and need, then you need to start at three. If you're not paying $3,000, it's probably not going to work. Mm-hmm. And really, the TD-50 is... Fifty five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's that's the professional tier. So, the, but then it works. Then yeah, it, it works. really works. You know, and then the, you have below the that is co- sort of like, well, you're just kind it's of not, it's not really you're not really serious about drums. And then so you have a thousand the technology, a thousand yeah. drum sets at your fingertips. Yeah. Oh yeah, right? a million. You just spin the dial and you can sound like any. And you anything. can change any of them any way you want. You know, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah, and you can do audio outs and all kinds of like you can do USB and that's ten tracks. Because you can use your own style of playing drums in the service of these these other instruments that were once upon a time only drum machines, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 808 or something. You can play now. Yeah. It, now it's actually organic, and you can play all the sounds to a very it's finite degree. Insane. Here. and that's I've why a, that's problem. why you're paying six hundred. That's why you're paying six grand. No, because it's completely badass. I didn't actually have to pay full price because I'm just a badass drummer. I know, drummer. I know, but you know, W MSRP. Get yeah. Later. MSRP. And, and look at it's it. Too it's much just, money. It's super small. It's like super uh, compact. Can we see it? Let's see. No, I got a shot of the roof. You turn the camera around, then we can see it. But uh, push it down. No. So we're we gonna jam. We're we just gonna talk about. I think we should. I think we should jam. I think it'd be cool if we jammed. I think it would be cool if we could connect the mixer into the interface. And I pick up the microphone. So what do we need to do? We need to put the plug the guitar into the mixer. It already is. And, uh, All we need to do is connect the mixer uh, to the interface. No, it's not. The guitar. Oh, oh, oh well, well, we can do that. Then and then plug that's the it. I'll just grab a microphone. So can we get can you can we do a sounds good? Use the restroom and set that up real quick. Do you have a sounds good for us, Ivor? Yeah. If you don't, I definitely do. It's a musical interlude. Uh, if you have it queued up, yeah. For it. So this is uh, our sounds good. Sounds good. Microbladder. Sounds good. 